The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Gentlemen, it's episode 12 of season two of the Daily Intermission Podcast. Exciting episode ahead. We're joined by Greg Pike, former Buffalo Bill, Arizona Cardinal, Georgia Bulldog. Uh, it's been a long week in sports, but joined as always by my co host Nate. Nate, what's up, fella? We just got absolutely murdered with snow. Yeah. I can't believe it. it seems like like back to back to back weekends. <laughs> it's uh, outrageous. Yeah, we're dealing with like another 40 centimeters. So, did manage to get the Ozark finished up though? Snow. And holy smokes, dude. Yeah, man. That uh, that Javi guy is such a lunatic. He's yeah. such a wild card. You have to reckon that uh, that Ruth or someone is going to take him down. Yeah. Well, I mean, the final episode. And skip ahead if you haven't seen it. But, I mean, jeez, man. Wild stuff. Yeah. I actually don't want to talk about it just in case to ruin it for somebody. But Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, this Javi guy goes on a rampage. Obviously, um, the... Uh, gosh, what's uh, what's the head of the cartel's name? He's locked up. Navarro. Uh, Navarro's all locked up, and yeah. and uh, and the uh, the Bird family find themselves in another predicament. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how they close things up in those final seven episodes. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Love the show, um, but uh, but yeah, man, it's felt like a quarantine day for me yesterday. Uh, just as the snow came through the day, from like I think eight to to, to about noon was when we got hit. So it's like yeah. you're pretty much locked inside. Yeah. But the benefit of being locked inside is we had a one thirty hockey game. Yep. Uh, John Gibson stood on his head against the Holy Senators. Holy smokes, didn't he ever. Um, and then a huge PGA Tour event. Uh, but, man, the coverage for the PGA Tour event was such a joke. Uh, we'll get into that later on in the PGA Tour. Um, but the biggest news that kind of broke yesterday was some of the biggest NFL reporters were saying that Tom Brady has called it a career. Twitter's going wild. you know, Instagram's going wild. And I'm just not sure that's the case. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. I feel like what's happening is I think he is done, but he kind of wants to do like a like a formal thing before it gets like leaked online. But at the same time, you don't know because, you know, reports came out that he's done. And then what was it? His agent said, well, that hasn't been confirmed. Uh, the GM said it hasn't been confirmed. So yes. I don't know. We'll see what happens. His dad came out as well. Yeah, his dad. Yeah. Uh, but the, the way I, the way I look at it is like some of Brady's close friends throughout the league, like Mike Evans is tweeting a farewell, Julian Edelman. Like yeah. these are the guys that could text him tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, and get some information. So it'd be interesting to see. I mean, I don't want to go into my full on, um, you know, farewell rant because, you know, we don't have confirmation, but it yeah. certainly blew up, um, you know, the, the social media platforms, I mean, how could it not? This is, we're talking about the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, the guy that has been pretty much the face of the NFL for the last 25 years. So um, it'll be exciting to talk about. Uh, but we got conference championship weekend coming up, Nate. It's going to be super exciting. Uh, we talked about it last episode, but uh, this afternoon or yesterday for the listeners, we got uh, the Bengals rolling into Kansas City and we got San Francisco heading into LA. So, uh, so yeah, man, it's going to be an exciting day of football uh, and we'll get to get to figure out who's going to be playing for it all. Yeah, you got to figure it's going to be Rams, Chiefs, but not going to speculate anything too early. And if you're wondering OT games, both of them. Yeah. I'm on both of them. Okay. I just, well, you got two, so I was like, all right, we'll go with the. 
May as well take a gamble on both. Oh, yeah, okay. One of them's got to go. I might have to pop on that as well. I would think that uh, the one that, for me, would be is uh, is going to be San Fran in L.A. They've played. Yeah. Uh, I think San Francisco's beaten L.A. the last six times they've met. Okay. Um, and obviously, too, we all remember in Week 18, the Rams were up 17 nothing, and and, uh, and San Francisco stormed back. But I think it's really going to come down to the play of Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, the San Francisco defense has been you know off the charts good. Uh, this Nick Bosa guy and, and Fred Warner. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, if Jimmy Garoppolo can get it down, I mean, he put up six points against Green Bay. I mean, their special teams came out on top, and, and uh, he couldn't find the end zone, was throwing picks. So we'll see. We'll see what Jimmy, Gira- Jimmy Garoppolo's got. Uh, it's going to be an exciting day in football. Nate, I did want to reflect back on the national championship in the NCAA. I mean, what an electric win that was for Georgia. Uh, Georgia winning its first national championship, I think, since 1980. It was their third all-time. And against, you know, the Goliath of Alabama. And both of these teams produce NFLers year after year after year. Mm-hmm. Um, but to kind of pick apart that win and what that meaning was for Georgia alumni and talk about, you know, what the life is like at Georgia, we're joined by Greg Pike. Well, Nate, as we were talking about the national championship and the big win by Georgia, we're now joined by former Georgia, Bo- Georgia Bulldog, uh, offensive guard. Uh, I think he played a little tackle as well, and then a little bit of time with the Bills and the Arizona Cardinals. Greg Pike. Greg, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us today. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I jumped at the opportunity to come on your guys' show and you know talk a little bit about my Bulldogs. It's been uh, 41 years since we got our our last national championship, and this year the boys were able to you know pull through and. Uh, I'm a little jealous I wasn't able to uh, get down there to uh, Athens and celebrate with them. Um, but, you know, maybe next time. Hey, listen, so you weren't at the game, unfortunately, but uh, but tell us a little bit about the camaraderie, about being a Bulldog and, and kind of the alumni family and what that meant uh, for the Georgia alumni by winning that championship. Yeah, so uh, I definitely stayed up and watched the game the whole time and yelling. Uh, my girlfriend was not happy when I was yelling at the TV when it came to, you know, midnight. Um uh, it was tough getting up in the morning, not because, you know, I partied too hard is because I stayed up past one o'clock on a school night, you know, and had to get in the next morning. Um, but all my buddies and us were texting, you know, and, you know, just uh, which, you know, that turned into sending old photos of us in college, you know, and and, and I don't have any to share on here. Uh, and, and that's a good thing. Um, but but it just it, it, it was like wow, like, damn, we like, fine, like, they finally did it. And this was like, this, this win wasn't only for like the players that have been, you know, working their ass off there, but, you know, it was for the guys that never won anything there, the guys that, you know, rebuilt that program. So it was definitely for the fans too. Uh, as you guys follow, you know, Georgia sports, uh, uh, he, they get their heart broken more than anyone around uh you know just look at the you know Super Bowl. Game. Yeah. yeah so uh <laughs> but so being a you know a georgia fan and, and you know georgia sports that uh i was definitely holding my breath uh to the very last whistle for that alabama georgia game but it meant the world to you know not only us former players but fans the state you know and i think everyone was kind of rooting for georgia just to, you know, dethrone Alabama, you know, share the wealth. They've, they've already won it so many times, you know, let Georgia have this. We needed this. 
No question. I mean, it's been an exciting few months there in Georgia with the Braves winning the World Series and, and now the national title. So maybe the luck's turning in uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, and, and yeah. maybe uh, maybe some championships will start to flood in. Uh, but uh, just to kind of talk about your career at Georgia, uh, Greg, you played with some serious NFL names. I mean, you blocked for Todd Gurley in your in your initial season, and then you got guys like Sony Michelle who will be playing uh, tonight, and and uh, Nick Chubb, who's a highlight back for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, who who had a great kind of last few weeks for the Buffalo Bills, and Isaiah Wynn, who uh, is a tremendous uh, tackle for the Patriots. But uh, but just tell us about um, you know your relationship with your teammates there, and do you still follow along with their NFL journeys? Do you still stay in contact with these guys? Of course, and 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 I definitely stay in contact more with you know the O line type guys, Isaiah Wynn, David Andrew, who's, uh, who's the starting center right. for the Patriots as well. So that's pretty cool to see two. Uh, Georgia University of Georgia offensive lineman starting on the, the Patriots uh, offensive line. Um, but yeah, I mean, I try to stay in contact wearing, you know, group me's and, you know, text messages, you know, everything like that. But it's been amazing to see that. Uh, and I think they, Georgia football put something out where it was like, there has always been at least one or a few Georgia football players that have always played in the, the Super Bowl every year. There's always a guy that's, you know, out there. And, and it is it is fun to see and watch those guys because you're like, oh, I remember when, you know, so-and-so did this or, you know, that guy's come a long way from, you know, being a free agent now to, um, you know, a three-year starter in the, uh, in the NFL, which is, which is pretty amazing. Um, you know, unfortunately, my journey was, you know, a little shorter than theirs, but um, I had great experiences. Uh, I was in Buffalo and then Arizona. So really two different temperatures and weather. Um, but, you know, I, was, I wasn't there that long. So, um, but I, I appreciate, you know, the journey and, and everything that it taught me of, you know, especially when I got released from Buffalo, I was like, uh, do I hang it up? You know, but I was like, no, nope, you don't want to have any regrets. You want to look at yourself in the mirror every day, you wake up and be like, you know what? I did everything in my power to, you know, try to make a better future for myself and it didn't work out. And uh, then you have to move on with the, you know, new chapter in your life where for me, it's now uh, coaching and teaching at the old school that I, uh, that I went to and, and attended for 10 years. Cool. Okay. All comes full circle. Uh, do you have any cool stories with some of those guys like Sony Michelle that you could, you're comfortable sharing? Ah, uh, Sony, Nick. Uh, first off, those running backs, uh, yeah. when we had like a stable, they make us look very good up front. You know, <laughs> block for a little bit, you know, they could really make you really good. Um, but I'm trying to think of stories. Um, I mean, Nick Chubb and Sony, they were very quiet guys. Uh, Nick Chubb probably didn't say one word and it, during a game until I heard him say like, Hey, let's go. Like when we we're like about to score a touchdown, I was like, Nick, you talk. I, was like, oh, <laughs> I thought you were mute, yeah. um, but he's uh, deceivingly funny. And you know, what he says is always a funny thing. Um, you know, I haven't talked to those guys in a good bit, but I mean, I remember those in college that, you know, those were the hardest working guys we had um, our running backs and a stable of them, but they definitely, helped us, you know, make us look really good up front when, you know, you got Todd Gurley, who is probably one of the best backs I've ever seen, you know, run and, uh, and Nick and, uh, you know, Keith Marshall and, you know, Sonny, all those guys just, you know, as offensive linemen, if you do your job, you know, 
they say, you know, we're only going to hold our block for a few seconds and then they really much <laughs> do the rest. So, you know, you're not trying to get a hold or do anything <laughs> like that. And, and they're making us, you know, look much better. Yeah, well, what's that feeling like after a Nick Chubb 40 yard run, you know, bringing it back 10 because uh, you were holding the guy. I can't feel too good. No, I can't. And, you know, especially when they put it up on the Jumbotron and they put it over again, you're like, I get it. You know, I messed up. You know, that was a, you know, I got lazy that play <clears throat> or I was tired. And, you know, you usually get nice cussed at, you know, once you get to the sidelines. But and if you're helped. able to score again, it kind of cancels it out. For sure. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, you don't never, that's the thing about off the line play is you could have 100 snaps in a game when, you know, that's a lot. So, like 80 snaps in a game. And if they call your name once, you, you played terrible, right? You gave up a sack and a fumble. But what about those other 79 snaps that you did your job, locked your ass off and everything like that? That's the thing with off-line play. It's like if they don't call your name, that is a good thing. That means you're not on the jumbotron getting, you know, stripped fumbles and making your quarterback look out of, you know, his ear hole and uh, carted off the field. No, absolutely. So your time at Georgia, Greg, you won – Bowl championships. We're Canadians, so we don't fully understand the totality of all the bowl games that are going on. I mean, it just seems like they've got a, a name for a bowl game after you know everything you you know under the sun. Yeah, especially but, now, yeah. But you won a bowl game in 2014, 2015, 2016. Yeah. You know, what's that like? What's the environment like at the school at campus? You know, what do the boys do to kind of say, yeah, we won the bowl game? Well, the bowl game, unfortunately, you know, we didn't go to great bowl games. I think it was like a Gator Bowl, like two Gator Bowls, a Belk Bowl, and, uh, you know, I don't know another bowl. one in Memphis uh, or something. So these were very good bowl games. Just let's start off with that. So uh, the mentality is, you know, guys are usually going to have a lot of fun and, and you still have to practice. But, you know, the bowl games is if you win so many games, you get in and you're bowl eligible. Um, Depending on how many games you win, you get in better bowls. So you could go to, you know, the Rose Bowl or, you know, but, you know, we went to like the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> and the only thing there is uh, a Hooters and which is walking distance from our hotel. So um, it's not bad, though. Yeah. Huh? That's not a bad spot to have. Yeah. And worse, not, it's worse. Not, and, yeah. And actually, one of my best friends lives from Jack in Jacksonville, but um, who I played with. But um yeah, there wasn't around, much around that area when we were, you know, um, in the in there for the the bowl games. But the bowl games are fun. You know, bowl practice is, you know, depending on which game. Now it's like Georgia, you know, they're undefeated. You know, those bowl practices would have been, you know, like, you know, really good and, you know, hard. Our bowl practices, you know, it wasn't that – depending on what bowl you're in, you know, you're just there to have fun. And they weren't uh, the hardest practices. We'll say that usually that's where like a lot of younger guys get more reps too uh, for the next year. For sure. And just before we move into to Nate's next question, you see a lot of the time now with some NFL prospects, like the bowl games, if you're in kind of the lower tier bowl games, they'll just sit it out. They'll just say, you know, yeah. we're going to stay healthy uh, for the combine or for whatever it is. So is that kind of a, you know, an up and coming trend is, is. I think so. And, and, and it's hard because, the people that are, you know, the armchair quarterbacks of like, hey, you, sh you can't do that for the university. You can't do that. But it's like, at the end of the day, it's his, it's that his choice, you know? It's where this young man who, you know, could have came from nothing has a chance to make millions and millions of dollars, you know, and sitting on one game, um, you know, 
is not, you know, life or death. You know, it could make a decision between him making so much money, and, like a lot of money and a little money if he gets hurt. And then and then you can switch on the other hand, like, uh, well, he's not a good teammate because he doesn't want to finish the season. So I, I, I my, my two cents is it's up to the player, you know, if I was in that position, you know, I would have loved to play one last game with my buddies. But, you know, that's just me saying it, you know, looking back now, if they were like, oh, yeah, you're going to make this amount of millions of dollars if you play in this game or and you get hurt and you don't make anything, you're like, oh, well, let me double check that. then. So I think it's, you know, depending on where uh, all the ratings and everything they see you going, then, you know, I think it's 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 up to the up, up to the kid. Sure. Um, do you want to walk us through a day in the life of a D1 athlete? Like, are you guys getting up at just six o'clock in the morning, hitting the gym, grinding? Yeah. So I had, so I had, uh, I actually wrote down some stuff because I had to think about it for a second. You know, I've been, you know, hitting the head a few times that, you know, I, I had to think <laughs> about it. Uh, but um, so yeah, depending on if it's in season or we'll just talk an in season day. So, you know, get up, depending on what school schedule you have. And if you're doing well in school, they have mandatory, um, it's called mentoring. So it's just, you know, a tutor, but it's more like a person that knows your whole schedule, um, knows your whole schedule, knows when you have tests, when you have homework. Those are for guys that, you know, aren't doing that well in, in school. So that was me, you know, a guy that didn't take it as seriously. So I was there from, you know, 7 a.m. or 8 a.m., I think. And then you would have from there, <clears throat> depending on if you worked out on Sundays, those uh, voluntary. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's on. That's our bad, Greg. We apologize there. But uh, you were walking us through the day in the life. You're talking about, you know, uh, if you weren't doing as well in school or weren't up to standard, then you'd pop in for some some tutoring, some mentorship. Yep. Uh, early in the morning and then how does the day progress from there and, and then um you would go to class uh you would always you had already worked out over the weekends for those you know voluntary mandatory workouts um and when i was there and this was you know six years ago um we would work out on sundays even after a game on saturday so we would do like, even if you played 80 snaps as an offensive lineman, you know, they'd be like, all right, we're going to go squat. And you'd be like, what? Uh, okay. Like, is there a workout specifically for the guys that played so many snaps? And it was like some, like some low number of like, if it was like you played 20 snaps and 30 snaps, you do this workout. I was like, all right, where are the guys that played 80 snaps? Like, where's that workout? Is that like cold tub and hot tub? Like, and I'm out of here or yeah, yeah. no, it'd be like you squatting half your max and you know, you'd be like, okay, just get me out of here. But going back to class. So you'd go to class then um, that would be, and you would have tutorings throughout the day as well, depending on how it fits your schedule. And then you would go to, like you'd go, if you're lucky, get some lunch at noon. And then um, then you'd have sometimes, like my last year, I had class leading up to two o'clock. And that was, you know, I was taking my major classes. So, you know, I could graduate. Um, but I, from 2.30 to 7 was football, you know, football-related stuff. So that's meetings, more meetings, practice, film, recovery, shower everything so and then some guys um had more tutorings after that to like 8 45 9 o'clock and then you would rinse and repeat for the week that's crazy i mean yeah. 
I wanted to, uh, to bring up, you know, going through those meetings and, and um, you know, film and all of that. I mean, you know, how often times, I mean, hopefully it wasn't too often, but you know, did the coaches just absolutely ream players and, and oh yeah, all the I mean, time. Yeah. Of course. Of course. I mean, especially I was, a, when I got there, you know, I came from um, a private school, all boys private school in Baltimore named boys Latin and we're a lacrosse school. Um, and, and you guys as Canadians, I know, you know, lacrosse and, yeah. uh, and so like when I got down there, it, luckily I was just very, you know, God given talent, blessed with athleticism and, you know, football. And, and I was going to think about playing lacrosse at, you know, some D one places, but I was like, ah, oh, football, like I would always get, you know, penalties and lacrosse or hitting guys. And I was like, cause I was just too damn big. And, you know. <laughs> Then I wanted to play a sport not only where it gives you full scholarship, you know, lacrosse doesn't give you full scholarships. Maybe they do now, but, you know, back then they didn't. And, you know, in a sport where, you know, they incentivize like hitting people and like you could get away with like murder on the field and it's legal, you know, like that's uh, being violent out there. That's what, you know, but, but yeah, so going back to some of those meetings, I mean, I still get like goosebumps, like thinking about it, like, you know, as a freshman coming in, you had like, you're watching film and, and I think the biggest thing is, you know, a new guy coming in or a new person coming in, student athlete, is time management, um, especially at, you know, if you're at Georgia, you know, top tier, you know, D1 football or D3, regardless of being, a, if you're a college athlete, you need to have good time management. Sure. And because there's always stuff you need to be doing and there's always stuff you should be doing when, you know, you're out, you know, rather than, you know, out, you know, drinking beers with your buddies. Um, but but yeah, I think the time management thing and 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 guys getting you know cussed out in meetings you know, in front of the whole team. There's nothing worse than that, especially you're watching film after a game and you you know slacked on a play, you know didn't jog off or something. You know, you're just praying when they when they put those when those when they put those clips on the thing, you're not on them. For sure. What's the meal plan like? Is it like you have like set calories you got to hit? Like what's this? Like is it a, a outrageous number? I think um, when I was there, we were still uh, we would still eat at the cafeteria, and this was you okay. know seven eight years ago. We would eat at the cafeteria. Then um, then we started getting a thing called training table, which was like an athlete lunch and dinner, which was much better. And then by my senior year, when you know I had Mark Rick for four years, then I had Kirby Smart my last year as a senior, yeah. um, and he really changed a lot of stuff for the better around there, as you saw. I mean. Sure. Um, we had like, you know, meals and everything like, you know, we, he got us right. You know, he got those boys right down there. Um, but we would have nutritionists and everything you do the bipod, which is when you sit in that thing and it measures your percent body weight and stuff like that. Um, and they would definitely stay on you definitely more, more now than they did in the past. Uh, you know, you'd be like, Oh, you, you're a little overweight, like lose some weight. Like don't, you know what you should be eating now it's they definitely have like shakes for like with the guy's name written on it after workout if you need to cut weight lose weight maintain it's down to a science now but you know back then it was like you know what you should be eating and you know and here's some stuff or like send me a photo of you know on your phone of like what your food what your plate looks like that was you know we used to do that yeah yeah so you weren't diving into the the pizza and the and the oh man i i definitely unhealthy when i was in college <laughs> okay, sure. okay i mean yeah. me too. i wasn't no i was come on man this this body right here is made by you know wings and uh you know other things but uh 
Absolutely. Yeah, I ate, I ate pretty unhealthy, but you know, I was burning so many calories, you know, and, and of course, you know, I ate healthy. I wasn't eating like, you know, fried chicken wings and, you know, French fries every meal, but you yeah. know, it makes um, it. Up. I would, I would know what to eat, you know, a trading table, that would be my healthy meal. Then sometimes, you know, I like to cook. So I would cook a lot for myself also in college too. Um, so, you know, steak, grilled chicken, whatever. If I just didn't feel like eating, you know, the training table food, I would, you know, cook in my apartment for myself. Greg, uh, there comes a point in time in April when the NFL combines on and I'm always just just so astonished by some of the offensive linemen throwing up 225 and some of the numbers that these guys put up. Uh, reflecting back to your time at Georgia, I mean, what were some of the numbers? What, who were some of the you know big freaks of nature's uh, in the gym and, and the weightlifting scene? There's a lot. Um, definitely when I got there, talking about myself, uh, I mean, I, I took that freshman year and I redshirted and I just worked out. I mean, I was a guy that needed to hit that weight room and got so much stronger. Um, and, you know, for lacrosse, I was running so much and I was the biggest guy on the, on the field. So my cardio was great. And when I, it's a funny story, when I first got down there, I graduated high school at Ju on June 4th, uh, 2012, uh, which is funny enough, my birthday. And then I had the car packed and I drove down to Georgia for, I left graduation and drove down to Georgia with my parents. Because cool. uh, you had to do summer school, you had to do summer workouts, and, and they're definitely going to get you right. But Working out was definitely the best thing for me because I, I I didn't work out or lift as much you know weights as I probably should have. Um, but some of the freaks that are in there, I mean Nick Chubb, I mean you've seen him. He is oh my! Even after you know he hurt his knee, that dude can move some weight. Um, I mean there's just a bunch of. Uh, I'm actually kind of glad that you know I wasn't playing against our D line. You know that D line that they had this year for Georgia wasn't there when I was there because I would hate to practice against those guys. I mean, the uh, Jordan Davis and those guys. I mean, oh my God, I, that practice would have been miserable. I mean, those guys are so big and move so well. It's it's crazy. The guys are just being <laughs> a guy that big should not be that athletic, you know. And um, but for me, I think you know at my pro day. I did, you know, 225 back back in my prime. I think it was like 26, 27 times, I think. Wow. That and is, I could not do that. Now. I, I, can, I, I still work out a little bit, yeah. you know, in, in our weight room at school. And, you know, I, and I coach the offensive line in, in my high school program. So I always get in there and work out with the guys. And they're like, Coach Pike, like, how much can you do? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not trying to get underneath those Olympic lifts. I'm never doing an Olympic lift ever again. I'll do bench and squat maybe a little bit, but that's more so just keep the flexibility and, yeah. you know, keep everything moving right. But, you know, I can only imagine some of the stuff. I mean, I can imagine the stuff we used to do back then. And it was like, you know, moving how much weight we used to have on our backs and stuff. Oh, I do not miss those days. So what, what was, so you say 225 or 26. I mean, that's insane, but talk about uh, your bench and dead or your uh, squatting dead, you know, how much weight are we talking here? Oh right? yeah. So squatting, you know, they, they, so there would be charts on like, you know, the platforms and they'd be like, you'd have your name or number and you'd be like, all right, this is your, this is your max. And then they would work it backwards of today's workout is going to be, you know, 50% of your max or 75. And it was all color coded, made it really easy for us to read and be like, all right, you do this weight and that weight. And I, I mean, at some points, I remember we were doing over 400 pounds, you know, just for working reps. And, you know, that, I mean, my back just hurts thinking about that right now. But um, 
I mean, the squatting, the the cleans, the the deadlifts. Um, man, I mean, we used to live, we used to just, you know, you didn't know any better. They'd be like, all right, lift this. You'd be like, okay, just, you know, get down and just do it. Yep. Um, and then the, I was always a guy that would, I would rather run first and then work out, but we'd always lift like a heavy leg, leg day and then be like, all right, we're going to run down to the stadium and run stadiums. And you're like, okay, well, there goes my leg. My legs are already shot because I just maxed out on squats. Yeah. Yeah. You know? The but, jello. Yeah. Yeah. Especially and at insult to injury, it'd be like, yeah, we're going to run down to the stadium, which is not far, but yeah. for us, that's like, you know, going across the state. Gosh. So, so Greg, after your time at Georgia, you mentioned earlier, you went on to, uh, to have a, a brief stint with the Buffalo bills and, and uh, the Arizona Cardinals. You know, what were some of the major changes when, uh, you know, going from, from NCAA division one football to the national football league? Well, um, I was very lucky of coming from, you know, the SEC, um, and I'm very biased in the fact that SEC is very, the best conference in college football, yep. um, as we see by the, you know, the playoffs and the championships every, every year. Um, and I think the, the change was not so much like the, the practices are a lot easier, you know, the, the time that they do the, the NFL PA, you know, make sure that the NFL players are taken care of. Um, and, and the one thing that I really thought of was like, I just get to play football right now. Like, I don't have any schoolwork, like being an NFL player. I mean, that's a great gig. Of course, you're putting your body on the line, you know, you're working, you're trying to make a team. It's a cutthroat business. Uh, I mean, the business aspect of it, you know, um, but you know, along with the practices, everyone's very good there. Uh, there's a reason why they're there in the NFL. Uh, they're the best of the best. Uh, but practice wise and, you know, film, uh, you know, wasn't much different from, you know, working out wasn't much different from anything um, that I did at Georgia. Um, you know, I wish I could have stayed around, made a nice career out of it. Um, but, you know, that wasn't in the cards for me. Um, but I'm able to, you know, watch my buddies on, especially today uh, and, and watch them play and compete. Absolutely. No, that's. I mean, I, I want to know in terms of playbooks. I mean, obviously you're dealing with pass pro and your run blocking and, and everything like that. But you know, was there you know a big jump from the from the college scene, or or did uh, did Kirby have you pretty dialed in with you know what type of uh, what type of um, you know, pass protections and, and run blocking you should be equipped with? Yeah, I think um, that was probably not the biggest change, but one of the things that you really had to dial in and. Um, it's not so much you're running different play, depending on where you come from. I mean, SEC, you know, run heavy, you're setting up the run, the run to then pass the ball for play action, stuff like that, you know, depending on what coordinator you have. Um, but in the NFL, you, you really have to dial in because there's a lot of things that had um, like they would call kills. So they were, they would name two plays in the huddle and it'd be like, uh, you know, an inside zone, right kill you know in a power left or a play action rollout left so you know you'd have to really dial in because they'd be like all right i'm gonna make my combination calls you know where it's just like you know the front side tackle and guard are going to work together to block this down line into the linebacker and then it's like all right like well they're bringing pressure here so the quarterback could like kill you'd be like oh damn like what the hell did he pull in the huddle like what was the play and it's like oh power left and then it's like by the time it's like that like you have a few seconds to realize it you make all the different calls across the board and then you get you got to go 
Um, so it's really, you have to be dialed in every single play, the code words, um, plays in college. We had a lot of them. Uh, and depending on what um, officer coordinator you had, I had Mike Bobo, uh, who was great, who's actually now just got rehired back at Georgia as an analyst. Um, and he played there as a quarterback back in the day. Um, and he would do code words. So we would have numbers and names for things that if that number or name told you the whole play. So you had to really be dialed in of, and remember those and, and study those. Um, I mean, we used to have the playbook, you know, that thick of, yeah. you know, stuff that you use. But on the other hand, you have your bread and butter plays. Yeah. And then you have a lot of wrinkles and oh, different formations out of that. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't really change much for, you know, if we're doing an inside zone, but, you know, there's a sweep motion, fake sweep in the backfield, and it's a rollout past the tight end. You know, my blocking up front, I hear inside zone, we're blocking it inside zone. Yeah, that's it. And, that's where you stop listening. Yep. So yep. It's, it's not much different. It's a lot of the back end. So once you know it's off the lineman, you off the lineman have to be the smartest guys on the field, you know, oh. next to the, you know, goes quarterback, center, rest of the off the line, you know, all those guys have to be smart. You have to be smart to play off the line because you got to know everything, especially if you get to an older, um, you know, the NFL of guys, you know, being able to read, you know, what the corners and safeties are doing, even as a tackle, and they might bring pressure or watching film, you know, you got to watch a lot of film because they're dialing it up every Sunday, you know, every day in practice, you know, especially in practice in the OTAs, um, guys are trying to make teams and they're going hard, you know, so you, got, you have to really dial it in and compete. Greg, you see oftentimes Tom Brady, uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be concluded if he's concluded his career or not, but he would oftentimes point out the middle linebacker 52 is the mic and David Andrews does it as well. Uh, does that kind of uh, stabilize or, or educate the old lineman in terms of, you know, which guys, which in the defensive formation or in the front seven, front eight guys, depending on, you know, what the front's looking like, does that kind of, you know, give out the person you're supposed to be blocking when they point out the middle linebacker? Of course. And I, and I think I saw something, didn't Tom retire or he made a comment. I think he, he is retiring, but who knows, you know, Knowing him, I think he just needs to ride out into the sunset, you know, 100%. hang out it's with healthy. his family, enjoy his money, you know, it, all his endorsements and everything, and just, you know, relax. You know, he's proven enough. You know? Exactly, exactly. Um, but going back to the to the point, so the mic point. So when they say the mic point, it's the mic is the middle linebacker. Yep. Um, and that dictates as an office lineman, you know, the center will come up, and for a run scheme – we're pointing that guy because that's going to start our process as off the lineman of how, what blocks we're going to use. So we call it combination blocks. So like a, a, a front side, you know, guard and center, you know, and this is what I teach my guys of, you know, at the high school level, but it's stuff that I learned in college. Uh, like that would be like a single block because it's a, you know, there's a down lineman and we're going to work towards the middle linebacker. So, you know, long story short, it, it, it dictates where we're going to start blocking. Like, how are we going to take that guy? How are we going to take, you know, the will linebacker who's the weak side and the sand linebacker, which is the strong side, you know, if they have a three backer box, you know, and that's when you, when you start to get into, you know, how are we going to take care of, you know, the front seven or, you know, however many guys that have in the box eight, whatever. And the mic point, especially in pass protection is very important because depending on what kind of scheme and pro pass pro you have the if the running backs in, you know, a six man protection with the running back in, he needs to know, all right, he's the mic. So then I get backside and then we're, we're going to turn the protection for these two. And then the four down linemen, 
So it really just based, if we don't know who the mic is, and you know, all hell is going to break loose because we don't know who we're going to block to. Um, so the mic point is very important in the fact that, you know, that's where we start for how we're going to block up front. Cool. Uh, just before Nate kind of dives into some stories you have from the NFL, I wanted to, I want to have some zoom in action. I mean, you said you played lacrosse and at the boys Latin, but I mean, when, when the offensive line called a pole and you were the polling guard, I mean, what was it? Were you just licking your chops on those plays? Oh, I would, I love to get out in space. Yeah. And I had an off the line coach that um, talking back to back to film uh, that I pulled out, you know, and in practice one day. And I mean, the dude looked like he broke my ankles when I went out there and tried to dive it. And my coach said, he uh, very went to Alabama. He's like, and he's like, Pike, you look, don't look like a pig on ice out there. You got to get out there and block. And and that always stuck with me of like, <laughs> I think I've said that to my guys, like looking like a pig on ice. But I would always love when we had the pin and pull techniques, you know, yeah. tossing the ball out. I yeah. love to pull because I could get my depth and then I'm inserted myself in that hole, you know, looking for a linebacker or, you know, cleaning up a block. But I love to get out in space and, you know, cut you know one of those corners or something you know one of those smaller guys that are you know always usually running their mouths you know those those secondary guys <laughs> like run their mouths 100%. so it's always good to get up there and, and you know you know pop one of them so yeah i'm just gonna touch on what greg said about like these stories in the nfl like do you have anything that stands out to you even like if it's a welcome to the nfl moment like maybe you walked in the locker room and you were like oh shoot like this yeah is um I'll, I'll say you know well, I think one of the first moments of, you know, when I got to Buffalo, um, you know, having that rookie moment of like we were in the locker or not, we were in the team uh, in our also line meeting room, like after practice. And, and uh, I had, you know, older guys like, you know, Richie Incognito was in Buffalo and I was there. Cool. Um, older guys like that. And they were like, hey, rookie, like, where are the snacks? And I was like, snacks. I was like, I like had like a bag of popcorn. I was like, here, he's like, no, for the room. And I was like, what? He's like, you and the other rookies need to get, you know, candy, snacks, you know, whatever, you know, you need to fill out this room. And I was like, damn, all right, well, I'm not making those millions of dollars, but you know, I'll, I'll throw some money towards it. So like having to like, and that was like, you know, the hazing part, it wasn't anything bad. It was like, you know, you're low man on the totem pole. So you have to, you know, provide for the older guys. And I've heard, you know, you know, stories of, and luckily they didn't do this for us, but like having like taking rookies out, you know, even free agent guys, you know, oh. and having the vets, you know, run up a, you know, $20,000 tab and having those guys pay for it. And, and, you know, I would, that would be terrible, <laughs> but uh, usually you have, you know, a guy that's, you know, was drafted and, you know, pretty high round and, you know, he'll get most of it, but, you know, luckily I didn't have anything like that. Now, when I was in Arizona, you know, um, I, I'm trying to think of Arizona. Uh, hmm. Can't really think of um, what's his name? Uh, Fitzgerald. Uh, you know, Hall of Famer, uh, wide receiver. And I was in a team meeting, and you know, he came up to me, knew my name by you know. He's like, "Hey, Greg, like, how are things going?" And I was like. You talking to me? I was like, like <laughs> I was like, how do you know my name? He's like, oh yeah. He he like he knew all the rookies by name. He knew where they went to college, and he would have you know conversations with them. You know, just the time of day, and that still stuck with me. I was like, who's this guy? Like future Hall of Famer, you know, who knows who I am, and just came over and talked to me, just see how I was doing, how I was, you know, 
you know, getting along with, you know, being a rookie, you know, or, you know, being uh, a new player on the team, um, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, and I was like, wow, like what a stand up. And he is a stand up guy and everyone across the league knows that. And, but I that really stuck with me of, you know, that's so awesome that he came over to me, talked to me, knew who I was, you know, just some random dude that just joined the team a few weeks ago, you know? Um, but, you know, he's a very stand-up guy and, you know, but that was pretty cool. What a testament to not only the leader he is, but the human being he is, you know, so. he, you know, and not, he doesn't have in his role description that he has to go, you know, make the rookies and, and, you know, practice squad and, and lower totem pole players feel welcome. But yeah. I mean, that's amazing. All right. Well, listen, Greg, I mean, tremendous information. We appreciate you coming on and, and chatting with us, but we're going to play a little game with you. We're going to show you some uh, some college logos and you're going to have to name the team. So this is kind of a, a segment that we put on our uh, on our platforms and, and Nate and I will show each other uh, logos and we'll try to, you know, navigate our, our brains and our knowledge to see if we can get it right. Uh, I, when, I, when I was before I came on, I, I, I saw some videos or the TikToks of you guys doing that. So, OK, I OK, hoping, I was hoping I get a chance. Come on. Here. Absolutely. Yeah, hopefully you didn't see uh, you didn't see some of the ones were pulled directly from the videos. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> right, first one, Greg. Oh, that's the uh, Boise State. Um, I got Boise State Broncos. Yeah, you're that's right. Correct. That's correct. One, one for got. one. I think I said I think I said Blue Mountain State. <laughs> Great, great. Oh, um, God, I have no idea what that is. No, I mean, I don't even know what to guess. It's uh, is that like the woodpeckers or something? Not, not a bad effort. It's uh, kind of out of the woodwork. It's the Bakersfield uh, Roadrunners. Ah, Roadrunners. Uh, that was my next guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. I got you one here. Um, we're staying out of the SEC because I think those are. Be- Oh, that's uh the Baylor Bears. Boom. Bang. <laughs> All right. Here's one I got stumped with on TikTok. <laughs> the uh is that a CU? The the or a GU? The 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 something camels. Uh uh cam something camels. Yeah, I mean we'll give it to you. It's the Campbell University fighting camels. Oh. They have a football. Team I mean, too, which is just yeah. Uh, I mean, some of these NCAA schools we're bringing out of the woodwork here are, are pretty tough. I'll think of how many there are. But uh, but no, listen, Greg, we appreciate you uh, coming on and chatting football and chatting your time at Georgia and your time in the NFL and and listen, maybe yeah, maybe we can catch up down the road and and, uh, and go Bulldogs. Of course. Uh, thanks for having me on. I uh, had a lot of fun and, and yeah, of course. You know, I'm always you know where to find me and uh, I'll gladly come back on. Uh, hopefully, I didn't sound like too much of an idiot talking to you guys, but just a little glimpse of uh, what a, you know, washed up college, uh, you know, NFL athlete, you know, the day in the life of. 100%, man. Well, listen, we appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Of course. You're the man. That was awesome. Yeah, it was sweet. Good stuff. You still hear us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we probably had a few technical difficulties. You're our first, you're our first Zoom in call, Greg. So uh, seriously, man, we appreciate you coming on, man. That was good fun. Of course, of course, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you guys. So you guys are up in uh, Halifax, just yeah. outside. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So small. I didn't I'm know. Surprised so you, you know where are, that is. Uh, an hour ahead, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
You ever been up to Canada? I have not. The only thing I've I've been close to Canada, where when in Buffalo oh, we went on a. It's probably been a you know good story to tell now that I'm thinking out loud of like a, <laughs> a Buffalo. They took the rookies on a Buffalo tour, so we got to see you know Niagara Falls. But I hear the Canadian side is much better than the American side of Niagara Falls. Okay, okay. Well, well I mean that's they, awesome. took, they toured us around the city, and you know there's not much in Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't jump through any tables at your time in Buffalo, did you? No, I didn't. And uh, you're not the first person to ask me that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that that was uh, I, I never got to, a chance to jump through any tables. Cool. All right, Greg. Well, listen, we'll get you all tuned up. We'll get it all edited up and it should be up tomorrow on YouTube and on our, our Spotify. And if you want to listen back and, and listen to the interview, it'd be good fun. Of course. Thanks for having me on, guys. Well, we thank Greg for coming on. I mean, what an awesome interview. I mean, just a Tremendous guy uh, from from Baltimore, Maryland. But uh, but Nate, moving on into the NBA, uh, the all starter uh, the all star starters were announced on on Thursday, and we were a little early to the record. Uh, we said you know we'd be pretty rhetorical with who would be starting. Uh, we got Demar Derozan, Trey Young, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, and Giannis Akatatumbo. Yeah, and I mean, you knew most of these guys were going to be there, so it's not too much of a surprise, but. They haven't announced the Young Stars game, have they? Not yet, no, okay. yeah. not yet. But uh, but that'll be the East and the West. We got Steph Curry, John Morant, LeBron James, Nikolai Jokic, and our Canadian guy Andrew Wiggins getting the start. Which, I mean, it speaks volumes to how he's playing this season. He's been tremendous. I mean, that role that they've got him in in uh, in Golden State just it just seems so great. He's not the face of the franchise. He's shooting so efficient from beyond the arc. Uh, and, and you know what a testament to his play this year, getting the start, getting the nod in the All Star game. So that's. Exciting, man. It'd be nice to see him. Uh, we talk about it all the time, Nate, to, to, to splash in at the international stage uh, a little bit more often for, for Canada. But, man, that's exciting for, uh, for Canadian Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, it should be a good time. NBA All-Star Game is always exciting. I can't wait for the dunk comp, too, obviously. Like, that's obviously going to be unbelievable. For sure, and I'm excited to talk about uh, the dunk contest with our guests closer to um, closer to NBA All Star Weekend. But uh, but yeah, Cole Anthony, uh, sophomore out of Orlando. If you haven't, if you don't know who that guy is, go listen. Go listen to a few of his interviews. I mean, he's an an unbelievable player, but he is just outrageous uh, when he when he's in his when he in, when he has the interview platform. Uh, but he's committed to the uh, to the dunk contest. Nate, any minds, uh, any players come to mind when you think dunk contest and you'd like to see them in it? Well, I'd like to see Vince Carter make an absolute comeback and just absolutely okay. bring the house down. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe give me like some. Uh, I'd like to see like I'd like to see some guys that normally wouldn't be in it. Just give it a shot. Like I'd like yep. to see what Steph could do. Okay. Or you know what I mean? Just like yeah, yeah. just just for like something different. For sure. And yeah, I mean, a lot of the megastars don't really go into it. Yeah. And, uh, for me, I'd love to see Obi Toppin second year on the New York Knicks. I mean, that guy's got some bounce. Uh, Zach Levine is a guy who, I mean, he's got two wins in the dunk competition. Uh, but LeBron's a guy, you know, I'm looking yeah. forward to asking, you know, the reasoning behind him never going in it. I mean, we saw MJ, uh, you know, a lot of the greats. I feel as if, you know, it used to be, you know, it used to be an event that you'd go in if you were one of the greats and one of the stars of the league. But, yeah, it doesn't seem that way. Uh, Giannis even, he could probably throw down some oh, monster dunks. No um, but uh, but that's always exciting, man. I wonder I'm a, if it's like a little bit of like a liability just for like you know I mean you're just going for it. Yeah, you know, I, maybe I, slightly risk injury. I don't know. I mean, LeBron's doing it like five times a game anyway. Yeah, yeah that's true enough. Absolutely, it's definitely more. Slamming. 
it's definitely more of an issue in a game than it would be just in like in a set stage. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah you're like flying on a fast break and you yeah. got guys trailing you and like LeBron, get in the damn game. I know. I like, mean, just get in there. I mean, you have to think that this was this would be his last opportunity. I mean, he's getting up there in age. What was I mean, he 37, 36? Yeah, yeah, 30, like, yeah something. He's gonna snap those a knee out here if he doesn't do it soon. I know. I, I just don't think it's coming. But no. uh, but yeah, I mean, All Star Weekend, uh, you know, just around the corner. We're super excited for that. And uh, and I mean, hey, just to kind of talk about a team that's been on an absolute heater. The Phoenix Suns, again, find themselves at the top of the West. They've won nine games in a row. I'm just not completely sold that this team can get it done. But, I mean, I think a lot of people will find that a cold take. Probably. I mean, they made the NBA final last year. But I know what you mean. It seems like when you just look them, you kind of like look at them on paper and like even look at them while they're playing, it just seems like something's missing. That makes sense. Like yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, Chris Paul. I mean, one of the great ball distributors in the league, and Devin Booker can score vo- like volumes. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton's been awesome at the center position, but yeah, I mean, for me, like I look at teams like even the Bucks and and uh, the Nets and and uh, you know other teams in the West that it just seems like Golden State. I mean, it just seems like they may not be the top dog, but. You know what? They might they may go on another historical run. It could be Chris Paul. Chris Paul might get another chance at it. But for me, I just I don't feel as if they have that winning pedigree. It could be a cold take, but uh, I don't know, Nate. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I want them to win, though. I really like Phoenix. Yeah, I would love to see them win, but I know it's it's kind of a long shot. There just seems like there's so many good teams, like you said. I mean, like. It, it's going to be tough to get through Golden State. Oh, absolutely. And then even if you get through there, it's like, okay, you got Milwaukee like yeah. in the final. like or Brooklyn. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I mean, Brooklyn could theoretically even be worse to play than Milwaukee. You know what I mean? Definitely. Like it's not going to be so. And I don't know if they're better than those teams is the thing. I Well, that's just it, yeah. I mean, for me, I think the team to beat in the grand scheme of things is Golden State. Yeah. This is the team that's won. This is the team that's, you know, has a better team on paper than, than potentially – uh, some of their championships. I mean, but maybe even one of the all-star teams. Exactly. Like, that's right. That's right. So, so uh, Clay coming back. I mean, him and Steph had uh, combined 52 points the other night. I mean, they're finding their stride. I, I think they're going to be a team to uh, to contend with. But, uh, but hey, we'll move on into the NHL. And it's been an interesting week in the NHL. Uh, Evander Kane. Evander Kane finds himself a new home after being uh, waived uh, by by the um, by the San Jose Sharks. And what a roller coaster it's been for him. Probably a, a pretty polarizing signing uh, by the Edmonton Oilers, but uh, but sure. scores a goal last night in his first game, like five uh, minutes in. Pretty lucky, uh, to be for honest. For sure. Um, I mean, the guy yeah. hasn't played in like yeah. the entire season. He just comes in, he's like, "What's up, fellas? I'm back." For sure. It, it reminded me, you know, I was watching the golf pretty closely, but I was flipping back and forth because when when players make a return like that, it it was like uh, it, it reminded me when I was in in college of watching Johnny Manziel's first start. It was just fun, like you don't really know what's going to happen. It was just one of those games you wanted to see. You wanted to see how he looked. Yeah. He looked definitely looked like he was a little out of shape, a little step behind, but I mean, he's got he's got all the all all the uh you know tangibles that uh that you want in a in a you know power forward and playing with McDavid is going to get a lot of opportunity, but uh but Nate, what do you think of the signing and and uh and, and how you feeling about the Edmonton Oilers moving forward? I don't know about the sign. I mean, they absolutely Mangled Montreal. Oh yeah, they crushed them. Montreal yeah. is so bad, but it's like an AHL team out there. It's right actually now. crazy, dude. Yeah, Montembeau. Yeah, I know. Yeah, what he played, he was backup for the Panthers a couple years ago, and it was just never good. And it's like he knew Montreal was gonna go grab him. He's French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like no, yeah, exactly. you're working perfect. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know about the signing. Like, I think it'll. I think it's like a good signing for. I mean, what Edmonton needs. It's it could just completely. I was thinking, watching as they were getting like coming through the, uh, what's it called, the tunnel to go out. 
I was thinking, I was like, man, I'm, I'm just waiting for this to just completely go south. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the, Edmonton is just so high risk, high reward. Like, it just seems like, you know, you got to go get this guy. But at the same time, it's like, well, you know, if he ends up screwing up and stuff going south, then it's like, well, here we are again. And we still don't have a goalie. So it's like, yeah. I don't know. No, this is the last straw for Evander Kane. I'll just walk you through a brief t- uh, timeline. He yeah. was charged with assault in 2014 at a bar, uh, punched a guy in the face in 2016. He attends the NBA All-Star game and skips practice, but we are talking about practice. Uh, he was charged with sexual assault in 2016, uh, gambling debt of over $500,000. In 2019, he files bankruptcy uh, last year, and uh, and uh, was uh, his wife came out last year and said he was gambling on NHL games. Obviously, was waived by the San Jose Sharks. A lot of uproar there. So this guy, I mean, he's been in the media a ton. Oh, yeah. uh, and then there was also when he was calling out Jake Paul again for the, uh, for yes, the boxing match. Last so, year. Uh, I mean, yeah, he he's he's been a you know a poster boy for the NHL media and on. TMZ, but uh, but yeah, he's he's a heck of a player. I mean, you know, you look beyond all the baggage that he has. He's he can play the game of hockey. So uh, hopefully Edmonton can use him, and and hopefully he uh, can straighten things out and he's learned some lessons. I was thinking back to some other stuff that happened too. I remember when Dustin Bufflin threw his clothes in the shower in the yeah. locker room. That happened, and then he had that. I think the first thing that he ever did that was like kind of controversial was when he like took those Instagram photos. And it was just stacks of money yes. on his back doing push-ups. That's right. That's right. Like, Holy smokes, dude! Yeah, that's, that's a right. lot of money to have out for sure. And like <laughs> up to his up to his ear. Uh, yes, the phone. Yeah, that's yeah, right. You can find some some interesting photos of this character, but uh, but he's back. He's rolling, and the Edmonton Oilers are catching back up. They're catching fire again, four in a row for them. They're going. Um, I'm happy to see Dave Tippett, you know, remain behind the bench because I mean, you could have been premature and gassed him, but I don't know, man. I think he's a good coach. I think he's got the room under control. I think it was just a little bit of a slump. It happens. It happens. I mean, look at Philly. Yep, for sure. Just snap the 13 game streak. Um, Nate Buffalo waves Aaron Dell. He's gone. Wow. I'm not uh, say you called it, but you absolutely called it. Like it's just unbelievable, man. He, it's you know he's gone, and uh, you know de- doesn't deserve to be in the league. He's not that good. Craig Anderson got healthy, and if you can't start over Craig Anderson, I think that should give you a pretty good idea of how good you are. Yeah. Uh, for this sure. guy's like 42 years old yeah. or something ridiculous, and, and he's grabbing your job. So Aaron Dell will smell you later, but hopefully uh, you know he goes down to the AHL and and uh, somebody on Belleville, like a guy like Scott Saber and a guy who a uh, tough guy for the Belleville Senators really you know takes care of him. Um, but uh, but farewell to to the absolute clown of Aaron Dell. Nate, uh, it's been an exciting weekend in Dallas and and uh, in New York. Uh, Sergey Zubov, obviously the second Russian all time uh, defensive scoring, uh, his jersey retired from number fifty six in Dallas, and then uh, number thirty uh, was retired. I do believe it was thirty uh, yep. in New York Henrik at the in MSG Henrik Lundqvist. So a couple legends uh, getting their jerseys retired. Uh, awesome ceremonies. Nate, you look around the league now, and it does seem to be a fairly prestigious honor to have your jerseys retired. Like I think at teams, and you're like, man, there's like two three superstars, but all of them probably aren't going to get their jersey retired. No. I mean, obviously Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby are two guys. Uh, Patrick Kane probably uh, would be another too. guy. Malkin, yeah? Yep. Yeah, okay, Malkin. so yeah, that's right. Yeah. Taves probably too in Chicago. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of guys right now. Uh, no, definitely, and, and uh, you know, I was thinking around like Boston, like, I mean, I would think that Bergeron and Marchand and, and maybe even Zidane Chara, but like that's three guys from I know, one era. Like, I know. That starts, doesn't happen. I know, that starts to add up. Eh? Yeah. I feel like Bergeron Probably, but you know, it's kind of hard to say. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think 37. I I don't know. I just don't know what, you know, how prestigious it is, like how challenging it it is. It seems like sometimes uh, some teams will just kind of do it just for sport. Yeah. And then other teams are like, okay, because like there's big name guys that didn't have, what was it? Toronto ended up retiring a bunch of people there one year. 
like uh, James Van Riemsdyk had to change his number mid-season. Okay. Yeah, they they got rid of a bunch of numbers. They they did like twelve or something like that, just out of nowhere from way back. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm just trying to think of some other guys who are going to get retired for sure. Like, I've obviously Pasternak would be way too early to say. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, Backstrom <laughs> would be retired by Washington for sure. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll There's, see what happens. Uh, it, it's it's an interesting ceremony. I definitely want to go to one. Just kind mm. of. Live the events, uh, watch the jersey go up in the, uh, or even a banner ceremony. It seems like an amazing game to be at. I was watching the uh, Zubov retirement too, um, or the ceremony. Man, those stars jerseys, so sick. Oh my god, man, the dark green. They I've, should bring those back. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. I've been saying this for like five years. I'm like, yeah. man, you got to get rid of these stupid D ones they have. Yeah, yeah, no, they they look a little too cartoonish. The yeah. green is like a little it's too light. Yeah, it is for sure. That dark green was it just it's brought nice. back some serious Brett Hall, Mike McDaniel, you know, Eddie Marty Balfour, Turco. Yeah, for sure. Putting the crease vibes. No, definitely did. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly needs going to headline the NHL All Star game. I thought that was a great grab by uh, by the NHL. I mean, he's got some serious hits. He's kind of made a change from his hardcore rap into like yeah. a new age pop. Really like what MGK brings to the table. Obviously, means Mag and Fox would be in the building as well, which yep. is really incredible. Um, but uh, I'm really looking forward to the All Star weekend. I mean, obviously, you know our guy Drake Batherson won't be there. Uh, but uh, I was watching some highlights last night of the Hardest Shot competition, like a little compilation. Obviously, the Breakaway Challenge, Fastest Skater. I mean, there are some marks key events the NHL All-Star game that are just really exciting to watch. Yeah, there are. I I don't hate the um what is it the one where you just flick the pucks into the net? Like the passing? The passing one. Yeah, yeah. It's like the little sauce. Dirty thing. sauce. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate it. I, I could see it to like an outside perspective. You'd be like, what am I watching right now? Yep. Like, this is just stupid. But yeah. Hardest shot's probably the most notable. Oh yeah. You'd think. Yeah. It'd be interesting this year to say see who's in it because I mean Chara and Weber's gone and, yeah. and some guys who have kind of dominated that platform for a little bit. Um Vetskin. if you had to pr- Is Ovechkin gonna do it? Yeah, probably. Yeah, he would. I think. So what's he gonna be plugging in at? Like one oh eight? I don't know. Maybe like one oh six. I always wonder, like, how accurate are those things? I don't know. You know, well, remember like, what Martin Furk? What did he put up? Like one fifteen? Yeah, like, yeah. Well, Marty? Yeah. It's like really? he can rip them, but like yeah. harder than Ovechkin, like. Yeah. No, for, harder uh, than Chara. Yeah, yeah. It's like the guy's world record. Stick is Martin a ladder. Furk. He yeah. doesn't even have a vowel in his last name. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, like you said, Nate. I mean. Marty Furk, that was uh, that was awesome to watch in the AHL, and, yeah. and uh, he's I think he does have the world record. I think he does. Uh, yeah. Former it's Halifax Moose said, um, but uh, but yeah, we'll 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 be eagerly waiting for the for the NHL All Star Game starting next weekend. Nate, it was an exciting weekend on the PGA Tour. Loved the Wednesday start. I loved having uh, golf action on Wednesday. Uh, our guy Richie Fitzenwell almost picked his fifth winner since we've been doing this, but uh, but Willie Zalatoris ends up missing a tough putt on 18 and misses birdie putt. Had to go to a playoff and, and missed another putt from a similar range and, and loses to Luke List, a guy who's been a bit of a journeyman on tour and, and grabs his first win. So it was an exciting event at Torrey Pines, man. That putt was wild. Yeah, the wild. Uh, the uh, you referring to the one on uh, on eighteen before the playoff? Yeah, yeah, just snapped left. He couldn't believe it went left. He went on his caddy. I was pulling for Jason Day. Jason Day on the fourteenth hole holds out for eagle. Uh, proceeds to kind of scrap around for a par, and then he, if you're familiar with Tory Pines, that sixteenth hole, it's kind of an awkward angled par three. He blows it. I mean, thirty yards short of the green with a choke six iron, and and. Uh, 
doesn't get up and down. They blows it in the fairway bunker off of off of the uh, 17th tee, plugs it in the bunker, makes another bogey. So he was kind of out of it. But John Rahm was making a little late push. Uh, Sung J M made a little push. Sung J M um, always makes that push. Yeah, man. I mean, he I mean, th- he doesn't get much coverage. He didn't get much coverage. He never gets coverage. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a it was an incredible tournament. Tory Pines, I mean, what in what in a venue that was. Uh, John Rahm and just didn't have his stuff. I mean, I could have sworn that guy was going to win. Uh, Richard Fitzwell made a nice point to us yesterday. I mean, giving this guy every week seven fifth plus seven fifty is so outrageous. Yeah, to win a golf <clears throat> tournament, you're giving a seven seven point five multiplier. I mean, that for me is just seems so outrageous. Well, every week with it too, right? Like yep. seven fifty is when you look at like it seems like a pretty reasonable number if you like maybe don't look at golf odds a whole lot. But man, like most of the odds are. I mean, you look at what Spieth would have came in at what, like twenty eight. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. You got. I had Scotty Scheffler. He was like plus two thousand. Like most of them sit around like plus two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Like it's rare to see guys get down to like fifteen is usually your favorite. Yeah, so it's below like to cut 10. that in half. Yeah, yeah it's outrageous. Yeah, below ten is outrageous for sure. <clears throat> uh, I did want to talk about the TV coverage. So you know, yesterday three thirty to five thirty, it's on the Golf Channel. Did a great job. Now they transfer over. Or if, if you're familiar with you know any golf event, they'll transfer over to national TV. So we'll go over to CBS to watch. They're playing every channel in in that lower you know four hundred six hundred range is playing just the live updates of the storm. And I was screaming at the television going, there's a weather channel for people who want to follow this. You know, I don't want to know what's going on in Boston, downtown Boston, you know, what buses are canceled, you know, what the cleanup crews are doing. Like, I want to watch the golf. It's getting insanely close. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I was so rattled. I mean, the TV coverage for golf still is just awful, even online. Like, as soon as the golf event starts, I've got guys who are in my DFS lineups who I have outright bets on. I want to watch them yeah. play. They've got to do a way better job. This golf TV, it's oh. terrible. Golf TV is the it. worst thing ever, man. It is. I was going to say, I don't have cable, so it's like, okay, well, let me throw on golf TV. You can't yeah. even do anything, man. Yeah, you can watch you get the highlights groups. and stuff. It's garbage. Yeah, yeah. And you get the featured groups, but yeah. it's like, man, I want to, like, how hard is it for them to just, like, set up an app, there's a camera on everybody. You can do your selected guys you want to watch, yeah. and you just do it like that. You can literally have your DFS lineup set up for the entire week. And just watch those guys. You have and a few to, other notable guys, right? Like it's there's they're missing so much opportunity in the golf space. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll see if anything changes, Nate. There, like you said, I mean that golf TV app is a bit of a joke. But uh, bit but of a joke. Next week we've got the Pebble Beach Pro Am. Uh, Pebble Beach, obviously a you know maybe one of maybe the most famous golf course in, on the planet uh, in California. Another great field. Uh, I've been sniffing around for some one and dones early. I mean, a guy like Jordan Spieth. Uh, is playing, and uh, there's a couple horses for the course. I know Richard Fitzenwell might be a little high on Ted Potter Jr. Okay, uh, so guy who might be grabbing myself some Ted Potter Jr. Then, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I just joke. I mean, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a clown act when it comes to. Uh, oh, he won the golf tournament a couple years ago, but. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens at Pebble Beach. There will be a few horses, but uh, I'm not. I'm not fooling around anymore. No, I'm going top. I'm riding top twenty players for the rest of the season. Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I took um, Scheffler. What is he? He was fifteenth, I believe, coming in. Yep. And yeah, I'm not touching. I'm not going outside. I don't care. 
Yeah, you can tell me every narrative in the world that's a guy that's ranked 45th is going to win. Yeah, and you could show me in the future that he's going to win. Yeah, I'm still not taking him. Yeah, no, for taking sure. it to about bottom 20, 100. Um, but uh, Benit, uh, we get the Winter Olympics starting next weekend as well, so we'll be covering that. I mean, there's a few events that we watch, and obviously we'll follow along with the hockey as much as we can. We got our guy, former guest, friend of the show, Liam Off, that will be competing in the snowboard cross. Or we got our fingers crossed. Hopefully, uh, Liam can maybe sniff out a medal. Um, but the biathlon, I mean, there's so many obscure events going on in the uh, in the Winter Olympics, but we'll be following along. We'll be bringing in the news. Yeah, for sure. Looking forward to it. There's so many cool events, too. Like, obviously, the hockey takes center stage. Yeah. But there's so many little cool things, like the luge. Yeah, that's the right. Bobsled. The Jamaican bobsled heater. team's the making Jamaican, a return. Yeah, we haven't talked about that yet. The yep. Jamaican bobsled team has returned to the Olympics. Um, One must question where they practice. One must question. One must question how it's even technically Jamaica. Like... From where they just practice, like you ain't practiced in Jamaica, there ain't no. a lick of snow. Yeah, no, but, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, that'll be cool, man. No, I can't wait. wait to watch. I'm excited to see like the the memes and like the TV time they're gonna get. Oh yeah, it's going to be hilarious. Mega story for sure. Might even see uh, a, a sequel to the movie. Definitely, if they, uh, yeah, if they can uh, get a rock and roll. I mean, that luge and bobsled is so dangerous, dude. Luge is so sketchy. Yeah, skeleton or whatever, and they go oh. head first. Oh, dude. So fast. How was that an event? Dude, there's some stuff that, like, you look at it. So, like, this was put in the Olympics in 1742. And it's yeah. just like, well, maybe we should change it. Because yeah. this is just, well, what was it? Someone it's like some guy went down a boogie board at a, like, water park and was like, we could we could yeah. add this into the Put a helmet Olympics. on and I'll go in a pod. Yeah, and uh, we'll freeze the slide. Uh, um, what was it in the Vancouver Olympics? Was it not? Or was it somebody Sochi passed, that someone yeah. passed away? Yeah. Gosh. They just, they messed up the course, right? Yeah. Man. Yeah. Anyway, that's terrible because like, that's at that point you got to feel like in your safest. You know what I mean? Like when you're doing, like, say you're doing a practice run at some random spot, you're like, okay, things could get a little sketchy. But like when you show up to the Olympics, you're like, all right, yeah, no issues here for sure. But no, it's and then you get the cameramen sometimes like on the track and like jumping off the track and stuff. It's yeah, just that's ridiculous. So weird, eh? So lunatic. It's like guys, I'm trying to set a. World record here. Not sure if this is the Olympics or not, but you get that camera angle. Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, everyone, follow our Instagram page, follow our TikTok bio, follow all of our platforms. We are going to be sending the link out left, right, and center on Tuesday. The new merch is coming out, so make sure you go check it out online. Go go check out the hoodies. Go check out the crewnecks. I mean, there's a variety of great things on there. Nate throwing his golf club. We got some gymnastic holding up the daily intermission. We, we're really excited about the merch launch, so go support, go support the channel. Go check out the website. Go order some things. If you need a new toque, you know, we're really excited about it. So thank you guys for your support. Thank you for listening. And we will catch you next week. Take it easy.